0: Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And we are excited to continue this Advent series. God has taught me so much through this. I pray and hope that He has taught you as well. And so we are excited to see how each of these themes plays so heavily into uh, who we are as children of God as we. As we pursue, again, the next phase of this journey, as we talk about living in between, as we explained in our first week, that we don't live in, with just promises anymore. God has come. Jesus has come. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He has fulfilled the law and the prophets. He has come, He has lived a sinless life as the perfect Son of God, and He died a sacrificial death on the cross for me and for you. And so we live in a period between the fulfillment of all those promises and the fullness of what all of that means for us. We live in between fulfillment of Christ and the fullness of who we are in Him. And so this is the idea behind the, the title series for this study. And so living in between, we're awaiting what there is in store for us. Christmas for a believer. The birth of Christ for a believer. This season has revolutionary ramifications, especially for His church. And so today we have continue that. As we discuss and talk about joy, we talk about joy. So, as we'll be singing, I'm sure, and the Christmas carols as we gather around Athens Limestone Hospital this Wednesday night at seven o'clock. By the way, if you're not, if you uh, if you don't have anything going on, we would love to have you. If you do have something going on, change those plans and come. All right, we would love to have you there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it, it'll be exciting, and you may be thinking singing's not your thing. Uh, to which Will would confirm that it's not mine either, but I still do it, all right, on this front row, all right? And so uh, we'd love to have you, but when we sing Christmas carols, joy is one of those themes that we hear all the time. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a little game, a little crowd participation uh, of of songs, Christmas carols, that incorporate the theme of of joy, alright, that have the word joy in them, and so if you're watching online, uh, we are so glad to have you, you can comment below on on uh, a song, if you have an idea of a song that has the word joy in it, we think we got most of them, but I'm not sure, alright, some of it's low-hanging fruit, so go ahead and tell me what the first one is. Joy to the world. Somebody jumped on that real quick because that was the only one they got. So, all right. They're, they're probably not going to contribute the rest of the discussion here, all right? All right, so joy to the world is number one. How many can we think of? By the way, the first service was terrible at this, all right? Anyone else? Joy to the world. By the way, Will's not very good at it either. Apparently, he's, he's, not, he's not adept at all the... He sings of the life way, the Hillsong versions of these songs. Uh, what else? What else? Y'all have thought about it long enough. What do you got? Huh? what? Jay-Z? Jay-Z. Oh, I thought you said Jay-Z. I'm like, can we talk about that in church? Man, bold. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one that heard that. (laughs) Yes. Jay-Z probably has a Christmas album. He probably says joy uh, at some point. All right, good. All right. Absolutely. What else? What's another one? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's the, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. All right, cool, good, we'll take that. Anybody else? Yes, very good, very good. Oh, come all you faithful is one of them. Very good, anyone else? How does Jay-Z do joy to the world? <laughs> Jay-Z's version of joy to the world. Hark, the herald angels sing. That's right. The joyful, joyful we adore. Yeah, it's good. All right. Also, a preview of what you got to look forward to Wednesday night. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. All right. Here's what we got. Y'all ready for it? Joy to the world. Angels, angels we have heard on high. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Hark the herald angels sing. What? Yeah, no, no, it's got to be in the song. Oh, well, my bad. Uh, <laughs> what child is this? Joy is mentioned in what child is this? O oh, holy night. Has joy in it as well. O oh, come all ye faithful. And oh come, O oh, come, Emmanuel. All have concepts or, or strong constructs of joy or joyful or rejoice in the Christmas carols. So whether you can think of them off your hand, off the top of your head or not, we sing about joy a ton in Christmas. Here's, here's my question for you. What is joy? Like, What is it? What is it? If you're not careful, man, you can really, in the Advent season, you can really lump all of these things together in peace, hope, love, joy, and Uh, You can you can really just you know you can almost preach them the exact same way, and there's a reason. The reason is the middle candle. The reason is Christ. Uh, Right? Because Christ informs every one of those things in the same way. But uh, if we're not careful, we can just rope all these into sentiments and we really miss what God has for us as we talk about joy. And so what does it mean to have joy? I love this. This is a great definition and I didn't come up with it. Tim Mackey, The Bible Project, said this, Christian joy is a profound decision of faith. A decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and love. Christian joy, I'll say it again, is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and love. It is impossible to remove the Messiah from joy. There is no way to achieve joy outside of a connection with Jesus. And I believe we see that three ways. We see joy in connection with Jesus in three different ways for us as believers. The first one. Number one, on your notes. We see joy in His arriving. Joy in his arriving. As we read the traditional text of the interaction with the shepherds, the angels declaring "Right, joy, oftentimes joy is linked with an expression of joy, an outward bursting forth of joy. And as the angels came and they made the declaration to the, to the shepherds, what did it say? The angels said to them, "'Fear not,' why were they afraid, for the same reason that Mary was afraid?' They didn't know why the, the angels were there, and you have to imagine how incredibly glorious of a sight it was for the entire heavenly host to be lighting up. Uh, and so they were, he said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And there is so much truth in here. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. The shepherds were the first to hear the proclamation of the physical existence of God with man. God with skin on, and the message came to shepherds. In your notes, the physical presence of God gives sinners a reason to joy. The physical presence of God gives sinners a reason to joy. You got to understand who the shepherds were this day. These were not the elite of the elite. They were not. The, the greatest in, in society. In fact, being a shepherd was among the lowest of jobs that you could possibly do. In fact, it was, it was people, a lot of times the shepherds were people that could not interact in a consistent and concise way in society, and so they sent them to hang out with the sheep. A lot of times it was people that had disabilities and and things like that. They were social outcasts in the world and they were forced to live their lives in solitude around a bunch of sheep. These were not the, the big players in Jerusalem and in Bethlehem at the day. These were lowly shepherds. And I find it interesting that God chose to announce His arrival to shepherds, when we were beginning to plant Lindsay Lane North, some of my first conversations were not with shepherds, maybe some chicken farmers uh, not with shepherds though they were they were with People like the mayor and the town council and the board of education as we were getting into the school and the principals and the counselors and, and people that were, that were prominent in the community. We wanted to help get the word out. And, and what we see by heaven is a completely different strategy. Not to go to the elite, to s- disseminate the, the information down the line. We see them going first to a shepherd. But it fits the message they gave. What did he say? What did the angels say? Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, and the good news of great joy that will be for all people. If the shepherds got to hear it, then everybody should get to hear it. If God chose to qualify the shepherds with this information and not just the shepherds with this information but they were the communicators of that message. They began the grassroots movement of, "Hey, this is Emmanuel. This is God with us." It was born in humility. Not only was Jesus born in a stable, in humility, laid beside, laid in a, a manger, in a feeding trough, but the shepherds were notified and put on notice when Jesus arrived. God is doing something here that is unique to how we would perceive how news is to be brought. For the shepherds to hear the message was confirmation that Christ's birth would bring joy to all people. Not just the privileged, not just the elite, but to all people was the message of joy. For those who would humbly put their faith and trust in the Messiah, they would be saved from their sin. These shepherds, just like the kings in the palaces, they were sinners. They were sinners and that what they had done had separated them from God. Paul said what they had to live by was the law. And what Paul would say about the law years later is that with the law comes the knowledge of sin. They knew that they were sinners. They knew that they were without hope. They knew that they were broken. But it wasn't just the shepherds. Everyone there, everyone in that region. Why is it good news? Because everyone needed to hear it. Everyone needed to hear it. And so what they did as soon as they left and what they said they left in haste is what Luke 2 tells us. And Luke does something here that I think is incredible. Luke mentions joy more than any of the other three gospel writers combined. So you find more about joy written in Luke than you find anywhere else in the gospels. Matthew, Mark, John... It's in the middle there. I got confused for a second. Matthew, Mark, and John, they don't compare to what Luke discusses when he talks about joy. And so in this, the first proclamation of Jesus was a message of joy. It was good news for all people. It was news of salvation. So for me to say the physical presence of God gives sinners a reason to joy, I don't mean back then. I mean today. We have reason to joy. As someone who is far away from God, we have reason to joy because God emptied himself of the privilege of heaven and he changed the course of redemptive history for all time. Because Jesus showed up, because the Messiah came, we have joy. We have an occasion for hope. We are not without hope any longer. That's joyful news. And if we will humbly submit to that Savior who physically came, wretched sinner though I may have been, I can experience salvation through Christ because he came. But number two, we don't see, see, just see joy in his arriving. We see joy in his abiding as well. Because where Luke mentions joy more than any of the other gospel writers, John does something very different. John emphasizes joy to an extent. But as he emphasizes joy, he always connects it with Jesus. He always connects it with Christ. He, he makes this Christological connection with joy, and it always comes back to Christ. Although Luke mentions joy more than any other gospel, actually more than all the gospels combined, John weaves joy into multiple key passages that center around Christ. Some of the richest theology that we have about who Jesus is, you will find joy mentioned as well in the book of John. He connects the two together. And so let's look at one of those in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, it's John that solidifies theologically that our joy will only be found in connection with Jesus. So where do we get that? Not from Luke, who mentions it a ton, mentions joy a ton, but it's always in connection with Jesus in the book of John. Luke 15, beginning in verse 10, listen what it says. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be Keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I've given you the example of abiding in my Father's commandments and walking in step with Him. And if we do it, if we will walk in obedience with Him, we will experience the abiding joy of God. This is a beautiful connection that it's it's only through Jesus, and so for the... Physical presence of God, it had profound ramifications for sinners. But in your notes, the spiritual presence of God, the abiding power of God, gives saints a reason to joy. Well, what's the difference in a sinner and a saint? Big robes, uh, mosaics painted of them. The little scepter in the pointy hat. The difference between a sinner and a saint is one thing, an encounter with Jesus. When I was born, I was born into iniquity. I was born into sin. And Romans 3 tells me that there is nothing, there was nothing in me righteous. It wasn't just that I was neutral toward God, I hated God and I ran the other direction from Him. I was a rebel against God. That's what we're told. There's none righteous, no not one. But Jesus arrived. Jesus arrived and as the Prince of Peace, He made peace between my rebel heart and a holy heart of God. And when He did that, 1 Corinthians 15 tells me that I am now a new creation in Him. Old man, bye. New man, hello. I am been made new. What did he do? He transformed me from an identity of a sinner to the identity of a saint. It was nothing I did. Bless my heart, it wasn't nothing I did. It was all what Jesus did for me. And so now my identity is not found in what I do. Because sometimes I sin. Sometimes I sin, sometimes I blow it, sometimes I wreck it. My identity is found in what Jesus did. I'm a saint. Sin is a reality in my life, but it's not who I am. I am a saint. And so the abiding joy of God is good news for me. It was great news when I was lost, but it's great news even now because He doesn't leave me alone. You know that, by the way. If you're walking a guilty distance from Him, you know He doesn't leave you alone. And in fact, I would tell you that if you can continue to sin and not be bothered by what you're doing, I would really, really strongly consider that you look at your relationship with Jesus to see that if you have one. Because where the holiness of God is and the sin of man is, there is conflict. The presence of God changes things in us. And so the spiritual presence of God that abides with us is a reason for us to joy. He guides us in all truth is what Jesus said as he's talking to his disciples of the Holy Spirit. He guides us in all truth. He teaches us what is right. He sanctifies us through his grace. So the question is, are you abiding in Jesus? Are you abiding in him? Well, what, how do I do that? Are you walking in obedience to Him? I'm not talking about a works-based salvation. Jesus arrived. The Messiah arrived to bring joy. I'm not talking about earning your way to eternal life. I'm talking about looking more like Jesus every day. If you want to experience the abiding joy of God in your life, then you need to understand your relationship with God should not have to be traced back to the day you said, I do to Jesus. Just like... The ramifications of my marriage do not have to be traced back to First Baptist Church Satsuma in 2010 when I said I do to Rebecca Warren as my wife. It shouldn't have to be traced back there. Why? Because she has radically transformed my life and continues to do so. I know I gave her a hard time last week, but I can assure you, folks, it's for the better. She has changed me. You can thank her later. She's changed me. Not because of what I did a long time ago, because of who I am right now. I'm in a relationship with her. And there is nothing you could do to convince me otherwise. I'm abiding with her. And when I don't, she lets me know that I need to abide more, right? I need to stay home and quit hunting so much, right? She lets me know. Are you abiding in Christ? See, we, we over spiritualize so much, and we we make a relationship with Christ different than any other relationship we have, and we really shouldn't. If any any middle school kid, my son knows if he's got a boyfriend, I uh, got a girlfriend, excuse me, got a girlfriend. He knows, right? She's chasing him around on the on the playground. They're writing love notes to each other. They're holding hands, walking down the street at her house. Like my son knows when he's. Liking a girl, when they're boyfriend and girlfriend, he knows. In the same way, we can be held secure knowing that we have a relationship with Christ. So that whenever things come, when the trials, when the difficulties, when the the troubling things happen, when the storms come, and Jesus said, words in red, the rain will fall on the just and the unjust. So trials and tribulations, you're not going to be saved by being a Christian And you're not going to have more because you're a Christian. It's just going to happen because it's a reality of life. When the storms come, we can have joy. Joy that transcends happiness. Circumstances aren't always happy, but our joy can remain. And so, I've got some friends with me. One of them may or may not have bursted on the front row and drowned the entire area over there at the beginning of the first service. But this one these haven't. This is my buddy, all right. And my buddy has chosen to find joy and happiness outside of Jesus. He doesn't really need to be filled with anything but what he's got to offer and he pursues life that way. And he does okay until tribulations come. Until difficulty comes. And when he's put in difficult situations, he loses his head. <laughs> need, need bread up there. Rim shot there. Uh, he falls apart. When difficulty comes, when he's trusting in his own ability and his own effort to save him, he is vastly, vastly ill-equipped to handle what's going on in his life. He doesn't have joy. Unlike my other friend. I love, I love when there's a nervous, like, oh my gosh. I love, I love that. It makes me so happy. All right. My other friend. Very similar. But this friend. Chose to be filled with the joy of the Lord. He experienced God's joy in his arriving, in his life, and God transformed his life, but he abides with him. God's joy doesn't leave him, doesn't come and go like it did in the Old Testament. It's with him. And so the same things, the same trials, the same tribulations, I want you to know I'm nervous too, just in, just so you know. But when the trials and the tribulations come... Just like the other guy. He faces them. Do it again. You think I can do it again? He stays intact. Why? Because he has the joy of the Lord. This is a silly illustration that makes a very, very profound theological point. If you are are trusting in yourself to provide and meet a need that only God can meet, you are headed for disaster. You're headed for disaster. Why? Because God didn't just leave us. He didn't just come and then go and leave us. He abides with us. If you are a child of God, you can abide in Him. Walking in obedience to him in everything that we do. Thirdly and finally, we see joy in his awarding. Joy in his awarding. 1 John chapter 1. Same author, different book. 1 John chapter 1. Near to the back. John writes in his gospel, the theology of joy. This is in connection with Christ. And this is why it's important. In 1 John... He gets really practical. And he starts explaining the ramifications of this in our life. This is how it's fleshed out for us as believers. And the same word, joy, comes up again. John, first John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Listen what it says. This, was, this which was from the beginning. What was from the beginning? What did John 1 1 say? Not first John, but what did John 1 1 say? Who's from the beginning? The Word, right? John 1:1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he says in verse 14: And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the incarnate coming and arrival of Jesus. The Word, the essence of God, came in the form of a servant. Remember, he donned the apron, not the bib. And he came and he served all of humanity. And listen to what he says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Verse 2. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you what? The eternal life. We proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us through the Word, through the Son, through Jesus. He has communicated eternal life to us. Our joy may be complete. He's not saying our joy, meaning us over here writing this, can be complete. He's saying our joy can be complete. I'm writing this to you so that you will have fullness of joy. Me, you, and everyone who reads. It is our joy that's made available through Jesus. So he didn't just arrive he didn't just uh, he didn't just arrive on the scene he didn't just abide with us he doesn't just abide with us but he is coming again and as revelation chapter 20 i believe verse 12 says he's coming quickly and his reward is with him i don't believe that we are doing anything emotional when we when we over emotional when we talk about the reward that we have in jesus of eternal life Now, it's abundant life here. That's abiding joy. But we have a reward coming as well. And it changes our perspective. In your notes, a believer lacking joy in this life has lost focus on the life to come. If you're in here today, Maybe you know that you have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you know you have one. But you have been so beat up. And you have been so battered. By the circumstances and the situations of your life. You just don't know what to do. I want you to know know you can have joy. Happiness may not be readily available to you. But you can have joy. Why? Because our joy ain't here. our joy's not here and when we miss that when we forget that we lose our joy a believer lacking joy in this life has lost focus he's lost perspective on what's really important the entire theme of the epistle of, of Philippians the entire theme is joy. As you do a New Testament study, New Testament survey. If you take a class, the first thing they'll tell you is that the theme of Philippians is joy. You know what's crazy about the, about that about that information right there? Philippians was written by a man in prison. First of all, the author was in prison, writing in chains to the Philippians. Well, let's find let's. Think about what the Philippians were going through. The Philippians were probably the poorest people in the New Testament church. The poorest. They were extremely afflicted with poverty is the words that Paul uses. They were broke as a joke. Oh, and they were probably the most fiercely persecuted church as well. A man in prison, writing to a people who were broke, who had no money, were buried in debt, who were enduring some of the most intense persecution of their time, and the theme of the whole book was joy. If that ain't spiritual, it's a slap in the face. If it ain't theological, it's an insult. Because when the world looks at that situation, they don't see a possibility for joy. Why? They're looking in all the wrong places. They're looking within without realizing they're without. They're without the joy of the Lord. For the entire theme of that book, written people in terrible circumstances to have joy. Why? Because their joy wasn't found in their life. So if our joy is not found in this life, why do we spend so much stinking time investing in it? Why do we build our whole life around investment in this life instead of the life to come? Tim Mackey. Christian joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and love. It's a decision that you and I must make. Christ has arrived. He has made a way for us out of our darkness. He has shown a great light. But he abides within us for those that have put their faith and trust in him he abides in us but he's coming again and his award his reward is there for us for all who believe so if you would bow your head and close your eyes if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus none of this great news applies to you Now listen, it ain't all good news. Being in a relationship with Jesus, right? We just talked about people that a relationship with Jesus drove them to poverty, drove them to prison, drove them to uh, persecution. I'm not trying to give you a way out of your bad circumstances. What Christ offers you is a way through them. If you don't have a relationship with Christ... His arrival is good tidings of great joy for you. Has there ever been a time in your life, just as He came to humble shepherds, has there ever been a time where you have humbly accepted Him, trusted in Him as your Lord and Savior, and repented and turned from your sin? If that hasn't happened, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. We've got counselors that are here at the front of the room would love to talk to you about how and have a conversation about how you can know that you have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're not abiding in Him. Maybe you you may know that you have a relationship with Christ. But but you're just not abiding in Him. You're allowing the distractions of this world to hold you down. Maybe maybe you need to get right. Get in obedience. Align yourself back with, with Christ. Through His grace. Maybe you need to join what we're doing here at Lindsay Lane North, so you have accountability in a local church body that can hold you accountable, that can walk with you as you continue to grow and abide in Him. Whatever decision you need to make, whether you're here in person or listening from home, I'd ask that you would respond to Jesus and His invitation. Father, give us boldness and strength to respond to you. Go to follow where you lead, Christ's name, amen. With every head bowed and eyes still closed. If you're here and you need to make a decision for Christ, would you stand? Would you just stand to your feet? Nobody's looking around. Nobody's looking around. Nobody. This is a safe place. If you need to make a decision for Christ, would you just stand to your feet? Well, God, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to shout at you. We're not going to point at you. We just want you to be able to do business, to talk to somebody about this decision that you need to make for him. Whatever that is, salvation, rededication, baptism, uh, membership, whatever whatever you, decision you need to make, you just need to talk to somebody. Would you just stand right where you are, and would you, would you respond to this invitation? Is that you? Is that anyone? I need to respond to Jesus today. If you're listening in at home, there's a way for you to respond as well. If you will text the phrase North Connect to 31996, you'll be directed to our online connect card. Let us know if you're visiting with us. We'd love to know that as well. But this is an opportunity for you to let us know if you've made a decision for Christ. And so on that bottom of that form, there's boxes that you can check if you need to make a decision or you need to talk to somebody about that decision. Please don't hesitate to do that. Please make that decision right now in the quietness of your own heart and in your homes. For the rest of us in here, for whatever reason you chose not to respond today, there's also a way that you can let us know as well through your connect card as Will talked about earlier. Um, the same thing is available for you. Mark any decision that you need to make, put it in the offering bucket on the way out the door and we will be quick to follow up with you, okay? Father, we thank you for your joy. We thank you for all that you've taught us today. Thank you for not leaving us where we were. God, let that truth sink into our hearts and minds and motivate us, light a fire within us to bring that message of joy to the rest of this world. God, we love you. We Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for your work in Christ's name.